0: Let's pray. God, thank you for this morning, for this chance to come together and sing praise and just uh, be in your presence, in the presence of your people. Lord, thank you for your word and for its power and understanding in our life. Help us to, to, as disciples, come alongside you and learn from your teaching. So we ask your blessing upon us in the name of Christ. Amen. Well, one thing that I have learned as I've gotten older and my eyes have gotten weaker is not only do I need glasses to read, but I also need a good amount of light. Right Now, this sounds obvious, but for some it's not. I mean, if you are like me when you were a kid, what did you do? You read in the dark, right? And my parents would always say to me, don't read in the dark, it's bad for your eyes, Right? My kids did the same thing. Your kids probably did the same thing. We, we don't think about that when we're young, but when we're older, even more we think about you need a lot of light to see. Not only in, do I have an overhead light in my living room, but I also have one of those lights that's right above my chair. In fact, it drives my kids crazy, all this light shining down, right? They, too much light, Dad, too much light, right? But I know I need a lot of light to see well. Well, this morning, as we continue in the Gospel of Matthew, we're going to look at chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, and we're going to see how light is important for us as we seek to share our story, as we see, seek to share the Gospel with others. We're going to see how God, how Jesus calls us to be a light to those who are around us, so that they can be drawn to Jesus and accept Him, accept him as their Savior. And Lord. And we're also going to talk about how we're called to be salt and what that means for us. You've probably heard this phrase to walk in someone's shoes. Oftentimes it means, you know, you try to understand another person's life, another person's job, so you're less judgmental of them. But it can also mean trying to be like someone else. Maybe you have great respect or admiration for another person, for how they they live their life, and you want to be more like them. You want to walk in their shoes. This was very profound for me when Tyler, my son, was very young, and one day I saw him walking around in my shoes. Now, he was really small, and so my shoes were way too big for, for him, but he was trying to walk in my shoes, and it made me realize that he was trying to be like me. And I thought, wow, I need to be an example for my son in who I am and, and in what I do. It humbled me to realize that I was called to be an example to others. Let me give you another quote. Let your actions speak louder than your words. You've heard this quote before. What this means is that it is good that you're able to speak what you believe, right? You're, you're able to tell others what you believe, But even more important than that, probably, is how you behave, right? It's okay that you know what you believe, but do you act out what you believe? Do your actions speak louder than your words? Does your behavior line up with what you say you believe? Because what's going to happen is that others will judge us as much, if not more, than how we act. They will judge us for our example. Even more than what we say. As we come to this Matthew 5 passage, we will see that we are called to be salt and light. And it's it's about being an example to others. As a Christ follower, we are set to be an example and to shine the light of Jesus and to sprinkle our saltiness around those around us. Most every organization has some desire to set a standard of excellence or or greatness, right? I doubt that you'll ever hear an organization say that they just want to be ordinary. I doubt that you'll ever hear an organization say that they want to be less than great. I don't think you'll ever hear a motto of a company saying, We want to just get by. Or maybe they say, We're just okay. In fact, there is a, a commercial about this now, right? And in this particular commercial, there's two companies that are trying to work a deal with each other. But one company is a foreign company, and so they have an interpreter. And so the, foreign, the head of the foreign company says something about changes that he wants made in the contract. But the interpreter is not a good interpreter, and he doesn't understand what is said. So he looks at the other company, and he says, he says he wants a hug. <laughs> And so the head of the other company walks over to the head of the foreign company and he gives them a hug. And so the head of the foreign company thinks that they have a deal, that they accept it to all the things, right? And at the very end it says, just okay is not okay. <laughs> That's true of us as Christians as well. Just okay, being an okay Christian is not good enough. We need to be better than just living our faith okay or good sometimes. We need to, to do right things more than just sometimes. We need to be a, a solid biblical Christian all the time. It's about honoring God and, and showing people who don't know Jesus what it means to live righteously. We need to be the people who are honest and, and giving and selfless and humble and generous and loving and forgiving and compassionate and, and strong in our faith. In fact, too often people see the behavior of Christians to be just okay or not any different than the world. And they look at this hypocrisy and it turns them off to Christianity. So when Jesus calls us to be salt and light, he is saying that we need to be examples to others and set the standard of how we are called to live. Many accidents have happened when people tried to do something without adequate. Lighting. Have you ever hurt yourself doing, trying to do something in the dark? I know I have. I've tried to, you know, go to, I told you before how a lot of times I, I went to bed in the dark, and thanks to, to Evelyn and their family that we have nightlights now, and so I don't have to go to bed in the dark anymore. But there would be times when I'd go to bed in the dark and I'd run into the wall, or I kicked my, my, my heel on, the, on my weights, or, you know, I mean, it really hurts when you do that stuff in the dark, Right? Like, why am I doing this in the dark? This is not smart. Because of this, there's all kinds of different lighting, isn't there? We see lights on pianos, right? We have light extensions on pianos. Hard hats, they have lights on hard hats, right? We have lights that you hook onto your hood of your car so that you can see your car, so that you can do these things with your hands while there's still adequate lighting for you to see. In the Bible, we see that God talks regularly about shining his light on us so that we can see clearly. Whenever you see yellow, please read with me. Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet, a light for my path. We see God here is that he shines his light on the path on which we are to travel. And then 1 John one5 to 6. John says, this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In Him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with Him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. And Matthew 4.16, The people living in darkness have seen a great light. See, God shines His light on His truth so that we can understand what is sin and what is not sin, how we are called to live our lives for the Lord. As he shines his light on the sin and the darkness that exists, then people can understand how they are to live their life, how we are to live our lives for the Lord. His life was also a light, wasn't it? He shined his light on the people so they could see how we were called to live. There's our example Jesus shining his light and how we are called to live. So we see that light is important to shine the truth of how we we're created to live and how sin is a failure to live in that way. It shines on the path that it is to be followed, and in Jesus we see the example of what is good and right and true and holy. Then we get to Matthew 5.13. You are the salt of the earth, Jesus says. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. <laughs> There's a Phoenix comic strip where Peppermint Patty is talking with Charlie Brown, and she says to him, Guess what, Chuck? The first day of school, and I got sent to the principal's office. It was your fault, Chuck. Charlie Brown looks at her and says, My fault? How could it be my fault? Why do you say everything is my fault? To which Peppermint Patty says, You're my friend, aren't you, Chuck? You should have been a better influence on me. See, Jesus tells us that we are called to be the salt of the earth. What does that mean? As we understand that salt has great value and and preservation properties and and enhancing flavor, we can see that Christ, as Christ followers, we're called to preserve the truth and enhance the flavor of, of life itself, to be a good influence on others. We're to speak God's truth in the midst of the world's lies, we're to defend the truth. When the the world doesn't have good truth, we're to defend the values of God. We are called to not only be the keeper of God's word, but the preserver of God's word. Even more, as I said, we are to be a good influence on others. Whether it is to show non-Christians what it means to live in goodness and in righteousness and with compassion and forgiveness, or to help wayward Christians understand that they need to live in this way, they need to come back to living for the Lord. We enhance the lives of others when we let our salt move forth. I've heard many of you talk to me lately about how God has given you opportunities to be a good influence on your, your neighbor, your coworker, your your family member. And they ask you, how can you be that way in the midst of your suffering, in the midst of your struggle, in the midst of your trial? They notice your life. And in that way, you are being salt into their lives. You're pouring your salt on them. But Jesus refers to the fact that we can lose our saltiness, that once salt has gone bad, it is of no use. You can't make it salty again, he says. Jesus first is saying here that as a Christian, if if your life is unsavory, if you're not seeking God and living in a way that honors God, if you're not living in a way that is worshiping God and praising God with your life, if you're, you're not... Loving God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength. If you're not seeking to make disciples, then your life is not salty. Now those are challenging words from Jesus. And then he says, when salt goes bad, it's to be thrown out. Is Jesus saying here that if you go astray, you should be discarded? Is he talking about us being able to lose our salvation? Well, the answer to that is no. I mean, we see very clearly in the Bible Ephesians 2:8 says for it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God salvation is through Christ alone other places in the bible affirm that once we are saved we are saved we have assurance of salvation see when Jesus is talk, talking about us being salt he's talking about our purpose we have a purpose as Christ's followers Not to just believe and be comfortable with our own salvation, but to lead others to be Christ followers. We cannot ever be content in our own salvation, but be unconcerned with those who are not saved. I mean, if someone comes to you and asks you for directions, and you know the directions, you don't say, No, sorry, I can't give them to you. I know where I am, and I know where I'm going, and I'm good. Sorry, I I can't help you. I mean, you wouldn't say that, right? That would be crazy. You would help them. If you know the directions and they ask you for help, you would help them with where they need to go. As we talk to people, our first responsibility is to help them see that they are lost and let them know that we have the directions of where they need to go. And then share your story and the gospel with them so that they can be saved. See, Jesus is using... Salt here as a symbol of Christian life. He's explaining that there is the kind of salt that is effective, and there's a kind of salt that is no longer salty and needs to be thrown away. As we, as Christ's disciples, are salty, we can be useful for the kingdom of God. It can be salt that preserves and flavors and adds value to this world, adds value to the kingdom of God, leads people to Jesus. But if you are not salty, then not only do you have no use, you have actually negative value. Because what I said before, people are turned off by Christians who don't act like Christians, who don't follow Christ faithfully, who have a hypocritical lifestyle. Now the good news here is that we're not an inanimate object like salt unable to change. We are a creation of God, created in the very image of God. And in Christ, if we lose our saltiness, Christ can give us that desire again to want to be salty, to be salty again, to make an impact in the world again. Those who fall into this category need to be called back to Christ so that they can become useful again. That is the good news. And then we move on to the end of the passage. Read the yellow with me. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Jesus gives us some profound words here. He tells us that we are the light of the world. He puts us on high standing, doesn't he? As Jesus himself calls himself light. In John 8, 12, he says, when Jesus spoke to them, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We are to be light as Jesus is light. How was Jesus light? Well, several ways. First, Jesus taught God's truth in a way that woke people up to their sin. Remember, he said stuff like, Adultery is not just the actual act of committing adultery. Adultery is when you even think about committing adultery. Secondly, Jesus showed the love of God by having compassion on those who acknowledge their sin. One of the most powerful examples of this is when a woman was caught in adultery and she was brought to Jesus, having been caught in the act, and they expected Jesus, who was a teacher of the law, to condemn her for breaking the law. But instead he tells the people, if any of you don't have any sin in your life, then you can condemn her. And so all the people left and then he looked at her and he gave her forgiveness and he said, go and sin no more. He offered her great compassion in the midst of being caught in the very act of sin. Jesus also is light by offering forgiveness to those who confess. Another situation, remember the woman came and she was so humbled by her sinfulness that she washed Jesus' feet with her tears and she dried his feet with her hair, showing humility of a sinner. And Jesus offered her forgiveness. Forgiveness. And lastly, Jesus shows light by being generous, all the way to the point of giving himself fully for us. So he warns us, because he says, be light, but it's important for you to understand something. He says, let your light shine. Remember last week we talked about Jesus himself shining his light in the darkness of Galilee, in their distress and in their gloom. And this week he calls us to shine our light, But he warns us to not hide our light. He knows that oftentimes we will hide our light. Well, how do we hide our light? Well, first of all, we hide our light by being ashamed of our faith. Maybe when you come to church, you're around your Christian friends, you act one way, right? But then when you're non-Christian friends or your work, maybe you act a different way. Maybe you're ashamed of talking about Jesus in your faith with others. We hide our light when we do that. Or maybe you don't stand up for the truth. You're in a discussion, and others are talking about relativism or secularism or some kind of other ism that goes against God's teaching, right? And you're they're talking about this, and you don't counter with the truth of God that is so clearly given to us in the Bible. We also hide our sin or hide our light by not pointing out the sin of others. Maybe we accept the sinful lifestyles of others instead of mentioning how God wants us to live. People may not change when we talk to them about their sinful living, but maybe they will. But I know that they won't think about changing if we don't talk to them about it. God calls us to speak out, to shine our light in these situations. God calls us to live, to be disciples, to be followers of Jesus Christ, right? Remember, in this gospel, as we're going along, as he's giving this teaching, the disciples are following him. They're watching him. They're listening. This is the Sermon on the Mount. He's talking to the people, and all these people, the disciples are next to him, and they're watching, and they're listening, and he's speaking to them as well. And he's speaking to us as his disciples, as his followers. What is he saying to us? He's telling us that our lives need to be transformed, We can't be like the world and shine our light. We have to be transformed. We live in the world, but we're not of the world. We live amongst those who are not Christ's followers, and therefore we need to shine our light all the more to them. We live as Christ lived, teaching God's truth, loving with unconditional love, offering forgiveness and compassion, being generous and kind and helpful. This is what God calls us to do. There's a story of a man named Bill who was driving down this two-lane road one evening in this, this small Midwestern town. He had just been released from his job not too far in the past. And he was reflecting on his situation. He was reflecting on his, his income was no longer coming in. His family was struggling with, uh, with their bills. His wife was pregnant and and he was just thinking about this whole situation. It was snowing and it was cold. And he was thinking about how many of his friends had left. There was not a lot of work in this small town. But he had been born there and he was determined to continue to live there. So he's driving down the road and, and then he notices off to the right there's a car and he, and he sees there's a woman outside of the car. and He realizes that she needs help and so he pulls over. And as he gets out, he realizes that as the woman sees him, she's a little nervous. She's a, a woman all alone. Here's a man coming towards her. So he says, why don't you go ahead and get in the car and, uh, where it's warm. He notices she has a flat tire. He says, I'll change your tire for you. So she gets in the car and he begins to change her tire and he scratches his fingers and he kind of hurts himself a little bit. He gets himself all dirty, but finally he's able to change the tire. The job is done. The task has been completed. And he walks up to the the car door and she rolls down her window and she says, Thank you so much. Thank you. How much do I owe you for doing that? He says, No, really. It's my pleasure. You don't owe me anything. And again the woman says, No, really. I'd like to give you something. What can I give you? He says, I tell you what, the next time you see someone in need, you help them. And so the woman drives off, and as she's driving down the road, she realizes that she's hungry, and she sees a the cafe there to her right. So she pulls into the cafe, and she sits in the booth, and the waitress comes over and takes her order, and she notices that the woman is pregnant and, and looking a little haggard. And so she has a meal, and the woman does a great job, and at the end, she hands the, the lady, the waitress, $100 dollars. She goes over to get changed, but when the waitress comes back, the woman is gone. But there's a note on the table, and the note says, You don't owe me a thing. Keep the money. I've been there too. Someone once helped me out the way I'm helping you. She was so thankful for this. and She finished her shift, and she went home. By the time she got home, her husband was asleep, so she crawled into bed, and and she thought about how they were struggling with their bills, and she thought, How did this woman know we needed a little extra help. She knew her husband had been worried about their bills. And she leans over, gives him a soft kiss, and she says, "Everything's going to be all right. I love you, Bill." Not amazing? Bill helps out this woman. And this woman ends up helping his wife, which ends up helping Bill. See, you never know when you're the light of the world shining the light of Christ. You never know when you're the salt of the earth enhancing people's life. You never know how you're going to bless others and you never know how that blessing might come back to you. We are called to shine the light of Christ to others. We never know how we will impact the lives of others. We're just called to do it and the Lord will take care of the rest. We're called to be the salt of the earth To make our home, our community, our world a better place where God's kingdom reigns. May we continue to be challenged in what it means to be a disciple and to make disciples. Let us pray.